0: There's so many jobs out there where you can't get the job unless you've had the job. Mm -hmm. Technical theater is no different. It's about trust. It's about safety and making sure you're going to be able to do it when you show up. So we've created a program that is hands-on work-based learning. And that means even when you're in the program, Jerry and the team have done an incredible job to like, okay, here's your training schedule, but also this theater company is going to hire you to do that while we are training.
1: Welcome to What's Off, the podcast where we shine the spotlight on off-Broadway innovation. Each episode features interviews with trailblazing artists, administrators, service providers, and other theater workers in the off and off-off-Broadway community. I'm your host, Ashley J. Hicks, a.k.a. Ash. The clip at the beginning of this episode was of Mitch Matson from Roundabout Theater Company. Mitch and his colleagues at Roundabout realized something was off as they considered the significant barriers to accessing work in the field. So they helped establish the Theatrical Workforce Development Program, a partnership between Roundabout Theatre Company and a leading theatrical union, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees or IATSE. TWDP offers participants ranging from 18 to 24 years old hands-on training in four technical disciplines and connects them directly with employment opportunities at partner theaters. My colleague Sarah Lahue, the operations manager at the Art New York Theaters, sat down with Mitch and TWDP's Injiri Baker to speak more about how this innovative program provides an alternative career pathway for young New Yorkers looking to enter the theatrical workforce. So let's get to it. And be sure to stick around after the interview for a discussion with Sarah, my co-host Nikki, and myself. Enjoy. So, good morning.
2: We're just going to get started here. So tell us, me, the audience, a little bit about yourselves and the program. Love to know more about you as people. Love to know a little bit more about your relationship to the program and how you got started in this work.
0: Thanks, Sarah. It's great to be here. My name is Mitch Matson, and I'm the Director of Career Training and Operations at Roundabout Theatre Company, specifically in Education at Roundabout, the department where we have school programs and young adult workforce training programs and community programs, and I'm really excited to talk about the Theatrical Workforce Development Program today.
3: Hi, I'm Injiri Baker. I'm the Education Manager of TWDP, Theatrical Workforce Development Program, And I work specifically on theatrical workforce development programs. So I'm kind of in the same department as Mitch, but with horse blinders on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Singular focus on the program itself. Yes. What drew you both to this kind of work, to either education in theater or specifically this training program?
0: I have always been at the intersection of arts and education. My own training as an actor and then a teaching artist and Finding my way to regional theater and the not-for-profit sort of experience meant I was seeing young people get really excited about theater and whether they wanted to be actors, directors, technicians, playwrights. We found an opportunity at Roundabout to really take a technical theater training experience to the next level. So I've been at Roundabout for 10 years and am having the time of my life.
3: I went to Howard University for technical theater, and I found that when I was leaving, it was really difficult finding work in technical theater outside of D.C. I'm from Brooklyn, so I moved back home and ended up looking for internships and apprenticeships and found Roundabout had a company management apprenticeship and figured I like telling people what to do. I've always like spent the last year of my professors telling me I should go into production or company management. So... Ended up studying with them. This is going to be a longish story, by the way. I love it. No, continue. Um, Ended up getting the job, working with Roundabout for a year before going into theater education at the New Victory Theater. And then going back to school because I wanted to find more ways to make theater accessible to New Yorkers. And in that study, ended up finding out that Roundabout received a grant. To create dwdp and immediately emailed mitch and jen bella the director of education to say hi can i just talk to you for about an hour about your work and ended up researching twdp talking with alumni and getting to know the program a lot more and the success rate of it and the job became available during covid at the time and i was in my home was like i haven't been outside in a year <laughs> But this has been my dream program. I should really apply to it and ended up working with TWDP now for the last year, like a little over a year.
2: Thank you for both those answers. That's absolutely fantastic and I've just got a lot of things pinging around in my head. The one that I want to jump to first though is what you said about education and specifically being with Roundabout and having the time of your life, like if I could just share a personal story about Roundabout. Before I worked at Art New York, I was a freelance stage manager And I did a lot of cold emailing of theaters, specifically big theaters, because I wanted to shadow folks and I wanted to learn on the job. The only theater, the only theater company that got back to me was Roundabout. And I did a shadowing at one of their performances. And for that reason, Roundabout has always had a very specific, like, special place in my heart because in my mind, a lot of Roundabout's programming sort of straddles the line between being, you know, strictly a production company and as well as being like this educational force and having the education department. So I've always been really, really fascinated by that conjunction. I also want to talk about getting this job in COVID. How did that work? Because I know when we had to not be in a space anymore, my job changed drastically because it's so tied to a venue. How did starting this job with, in COVID like affect the beginning of your tenure?
3: Yeah. Well, when I started, we were in the middle of the advanced cohort. So yeah. a cohort that was made up of fellows who had already completed the program. And ironically enough, during my interview process, I got COVID. So I had to delay <laughs> my start date because of that. It was like near the end. It was that like Omicron variant time frame. And so I had... COVID and then I had a surgery that had to be rescheduled and so my start date ended up going from I think December or January to March um so that was really interesting and then there were changes in our office as well because I believe the HVAC system was being fixed at the time I'm not too sure like all the like filtration systems that theaters in New York City had to go through to reopen I'm very familiar
0: (laughs) and I think Njiri you mentioned the advanced cohort when the pandemic hit we were mid cohort four Mm -hmm. and had to go remote and so we took technical training workshops and did them online that was a huge adjustment and sent the fellows home with bags of tools and like oh what else do you need oh you should work on this you should work on that and we'll send that to your house so there's a lot of transition but then roundabout worked very quickly and very hard to get a rehearsal hall that would be space compliant and HVAC compliant and such available for us fall 2020 to be able to work with the windows open and fellows were able to come in masked and continue to practice their craft.
2: As early as fall 2020. Yeah. Pre-vaccine. Yeah. That's a fantastic commitment to getting the cohort through.
0: And as Jerry said, then opening up to say we have all these alumni who were part of the industry who are now out of work, who are still developing their craft. How do we take a pause on recruiting a new cohort and after four cohorts say, hello, alumni, here's more training. Here's an opportunity for you to stay engaged. We'll have industry lunches. We'll use this thing called Zoom to connect you to people across the country so that you're still developing.
2: I really love hearing that because When COVID happened and lockdown happened, the world got very, very small. But being able to be online and do all these trainings, it actually expands the world a little bit more than even you would get in sort of boots on the ground inside a theater training like when i think of doing technical training on zoom i sort of sit of thinking with like sitting in a living room with like the backstage handbook like that blue book that everybody gets when they first start doing technical theater and like learning how to do knots and just doing that all day so to think of being able to get a rehearsal space where you could be in compliance and run it safely is fabulous you talked about that was the fourth cohort you're about to go into the sixth yeah yeah That's incredible. Can you talk a little bit more about the application process? How does one get involved in the program?
3: Sure. So we have a series of information sessions that are held in person. This year, we had that big smoke cloud hit New York City. So we ended up having one virtually as well, which is really successful. And we ask that every applicant come and hear about the program in person. So you're hearing not only from Mitch and I, but you're hearing from alumni of the program. And you're getting to do a demo lesson so that you can really see what you will be learning and see if you're committed to this, because it is an accelerated program in learning technical theater. And we stress that in your first year, you were learning every craft. For me, as someone who did lighting, did scenic, did wardrobe, if you told me back in college, hey, you have to do scenic for an entire year, I might have lost my mind. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So you need to understand you were doing all of the crafts. And after that, people receive an application by email and apply to the program. And then we have a TAVE test, which is a test of adult basic education, mainly to see that you were able to get to New York City in Midtown on a Friday or Saturday morning at 8 a.m. And then we have our interviews, which are with Roundabout staff, IATSE staff, and with alumni who help us with the process. We have Members of the current cohorts come in and they're really great at like easing the interview situation and bringing about like a calm to that process because they've been there and understand how nerve wracking it can be to have a round robin interview with five people in one day. And then literally after the last interview, we decide the people that will be in the cohort that night.
0: Wow! One of the things that we asked to report on. And this program is braided funding. There's support from Roundabout donors, there's support from the city, from the state. The NEA has come in and said, we believe in this workforce program, you're doing good work. But they often ask, like, how do you recruit? What's your breakdown? And one of the ways we talk about that is we've got our website. Some people just find us. About a quarter of the people who come to the info sessions say, yep, just Googled you. We've got our partners. We don't do this program alone, whether it's The Door, a social service agency, IATSE, the International Alliance for Theatrical Stage Employees, and National Black Theater. like We put out press releases and our partners wave the flag, as it were. And then there's the word of mouth. I think actually our alumni have been an incredible recruiting partner in, oh, you know, my friend should do this program. I had a good time. Or... My high school should know about this program. And that's been huge.
2: And that says a lot about the success of the program. If word of mouth is such a large component in getting new applicants, it means that the people who are in the cohorts currently or were in the cohorts in the past had a really great experience there and want to bring more people into the program. One of the things when I was reading about the program, because like before we were on mic, I was saying that we've had folks in the cohorts at the Art New York Theaters work on some of the shows in the spaces. But when I was reading about the parameters of application, uh, what you need to apply, I was struck by the fact that it's 18 to 24 year olds. And I really loved that, specifically the relatively high age cutoff. I didn't move to the city until I was 25 and I felt like I was behind everybody else. Do you find that the age breakdown is leaning more towards people who just graduated from high school or do you have a good mix of, and this is, I'm rolling my eyes, older applicants um, in the 23, 24 range Can you apply as a 24-year-old and stay in the cohort for that amount of time?
3: Yeah, so I think it's very, during cohorts five and six, we've had a lot of, I'd say, people in their, like, 20s, late teens, early 20s, and you can stay in the program as a 24-year-old as long as you are 24 at the start of the program. So we start mid-September. Our last cohort had three people who turned 25 within the first month of starting the program. So you can stay in the program as long as you are 24 by the cutoff about the start. That's awesome.
0: And the city did a big survey of the workforce in the city. This was probably like 2018, 2019. And they found out that the largest demographic that was out of work and out of school in this city were 18 to 24 year olds and said, that's a problem (laughs) if that population isn't finding work, isn't finding training programs. And so the Human Resources Administration with, in the mayor's office and as part of the city said, we need to address that. And there was additional funding for programs like this.
3: I think for high school students who are just not interested in going to college and doing a four-year experience and want to get to work immediately, there's not a lot of resources like this that have the ability to go into a career right afterwards. So it's really great to have something that can start someone's career right out of high school should they want to do that and not have any student loan debt.
0: Very true. And maybe that gets to like the seed of why Roundabout started the program. I'm segueing because we've had a youth ensemble for decades at Roundabout. High school students who can come in, be mentored by professionals, and make a play in our black box space in the summer, get training and workshops during the year. And for a lot of those students, it's a entire production company, so they're learning playwriting, directing, acting, the technical crafts. And they would finish the program, they'd graduate from high school, and they'd turn to us and say, great, I want to do this. And a lot of us who did, college and university tracks said great well i guess you have to do that i don't know a way to do technical theater without that unless you have a family member in the industry (laughs) and so having had that conversation with so many young people we felt a need and we saw a pathway to go from some of our partner organizations our partner high schools and the students that we'd worked with to say what if additionally We'd been working as a partner with the International Alliance for several years with the Hidden Career Path days. These are special field trip days where high school students get to come to the Broadway theaters. We pull back the curtain. They learn from Local 1, Local 764 technicians and see how, oh, that is a possible job and learn a skill that they can bring back to their school. The relationship and partnership with IATSE meant they were with us in 2015 when we planted the seed and made the plan and then kicked off the program cohort one in 2016.
2: I love the partnership with IATSE in this program and I want to talk a little bit more about that and specifically paths to careers after graduating from the cohort. Do you find that a lot of the graduates immediately are able to get jobs in professional theater and professional theater being all encompassing. So like off Broadway, off, off Broadway, apprenticeships at a house. Do many of them go on to join the union? And then specifically we are in a deep, deep technical labor shortage right now. So has that affected like pre COVID post COVID? How many people go on to get jobs
3: in professional theater? I'd say a lot of our fellows end up working in professional theater it's a small amount that end up doing live events or live concerts but most of them are freelance so they do both a lot of the time we do have some fellows who have made it to work on broadway theaters and work in broadway houses but it's a small amount compared to the amount that work at art new york or at aprons arts center or any of our other theaters i think having so many employment partners helps build that network because they are familiar with the fellows from seeing them at their first work call to where they are in their careers now. And that helps with them being able to find jobs in a lot of off-Broadway venues. I think we've had five fellows and alumni working in at Atlantic Theater Company this summer alone. So it's been a lot of fellows that are there. And then we have about 11 that are in the union um, currently.
0: Wow. And workforce programs across the country have success rates and percentages and you know what are our numbers is often a question that we get so to date there's been 94 fellows who have gone through the training program and 60 of those fellows are still working in the industry those 60 fellows the majority of them are gig-based freelance technicians who are taking jobs left, right, center. As Njeri said, a number of them are taking union contracts or union positions or day labor, union day labor. That's great wages. We're big proponents of that. Yeah. Some of them are finding gigs across the entertainment industry. It's Fashion Week, and you make good money if you're a technician working Fashion Week right now. So that's exciting. And I think the program structure means this is a earn and learn program. Yeah. So the fellows are earning a minimum wage while they're training, while they're going on observations, work calls, having an opportunity to learn the skill. There's so many jobs out there where you can't get the job unless you've had the job. Mm -hmm. Technical theater is no different. It's about trust. It's about safety and making sure you're going to be able to do it when you show up. So we've created a program that is hands-on work-based learning, and that means even when you're in the program, Njiri and the team have done an incredible job to like, okay, here's your training schedule, but also this theater company is going to hire you to do that while we're training. And so we're able to make sure they're building their resume, not only from training experiences, but also those first work calls where our partner training companies, internship partners, and employment partners are reaching out. And here is again, like, this program is not an island we could not do this without the 50 plus not-for-profit and for-profit theaters and shops that we have relationships with and those relationships wax and wane as you mentioned the covid industry the shutdown the what's happening next as you know if the production manager leaves a theater company have we lost that relationship
3: yeah you saying fashion week reminded me of the wedding season Oh my Gigs that a lot of our fellows got so cohort five finished their training year before they go into placement theaters right at the start of wedding season in may and one of our fellows whenever we would send her a job was like i can't do it i have four weddings i'm doing lighting and scenic and everything else for her. and was making like a lot of good money from it like as much as like 30 an hour so we were like that's okay we're fine with you not taking this one The people who are
2: working consistently are the people who are willing to do theater, live events. And to be able to have training in all of these different disciplines, as you do in the program with Roundabout, is absolutely fantastic.
0: You know, earlier we were talking about recruitment and the honesty that we are trying to put up front If you're going to enter this industry and yes you're going to do scenic you're going to do all the crafts but it's also a recognition of this industry so because this program is intentionally trying to diversify the industry open the door for people who have not had access historically or even in our current moment they didn't know our outreach has to include the hashtag night calls Mm. Hashtag long hours, dark spaces, loud noises, heights. And we are really honest about that. It doesn't mean it's a no go. If you're like, I'm kind of afraid of heights, it doesn't mean you don't get accepted to the program. It means that's a thing we're going to work on. And we're going to make sure that safety is always number one so that as you develop a skill or approach something that you see as a challenge, we're there with you. And I think those conversations about like you get to work holidays. Maybe that means extra pay, <laughs> but it also means not with family. Yeah, And the team has some really meaningful, intentional conversations with young people who come into the program gung-ho and then realize the time restraints and their other life responsibilities, primary caretaker of a family member, medical needs, other things. That doesn't mean you can't be in this industry. It just means we need to find the right position, opportunity, is this day work only for you? While other people are like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go on tour. And then we like, great. If you're comfortable getting on an airplane, some people have never been on an airplane. We can get you to some of our employment partners across the country. And that's been a real success as well.
2: To go back to the idea of opening doors and making sure that like better access for folks. The thing that struck me, Another thing is being able to pay the workers that it's not an unpaid internship. The only people that can afford to take unpaid internships are the people who like can afford to do it. And that creates a lot of barriers within the industry. So seeing that there's the ability to take other work while you're in the fellowship, that when you are on calls for this, you do make a wage. It's huge. When you were talking about... Labor practices, hashtag long hours, hashtag overnights. We're seeing, and I say we broadly in the industry are seeing a move towards more humane labor practices. But a lot of the time, we are, I'm sorry to say, very actor focused in that regard. We're talking about, okay, well, we don't want to do 10 out of 12s anymore. We want to do eight out of 10s. So the actors have, you know, these meal breaks and the day is shorter. That's good for the actors. It's also a lot better for the technicians. Because a 10 out of 12, for somebody who was on the stage labor side, it wasn't 12 hours. It was actually closer to 13 or 14. And were we getting meal breaks if we're not on union shows?
0: In an industry that says, no, on time is late, you're asking your people to be there for longer than 12 hours. Yeah, Exactly.
2: Exactly. I mean, the amount of texts where I have not eaten a lunch or... A dinner (laughs) where I've gone out. It was coffee and maybe a bagel during the day in the booth. And that was just as the stage manager. I wasn't on a ladder trying to get a light plot hung or to ring out the room so the mics would sound good or things like that. So being able to set up realistic expectations for the amount of work that tends to be done on a crew call is huge. And it's not to scare anybody out of it, like you said, but it's just to be like, this is kind of the thing and, and is freelancing for you. I learned, I don't want to say very quickly because I did it for five years, but I learned quickly enough <laughs> that being a full-time freelancer is not for me. I can't hang in that way. So you're doing really wonderful work being able to set up the expectations.
3: Having so many alumni, we were able to give fellows TWDP mentors and IATSE mentors this year. And having a TWDP mentor helps you in your experience in the program and figuring out this career as you start it. Having an IATSE mentor helps in giving you the ins and outs of the union and giving you all the experience of what being a part of the union is and why it's important to do as well as helping you find your next gig and things like that with a program like this, with the young people who are very driven and are very interested in doing this work. We've had moments where we've had to tell fellows, you have to take care of yourself. You have to take a break, you have to eat and we'll provide lunch at times if we have days that are going on long and things like that. But it's also getting them to know, okay, when you're going into an area, if you're going to the Mark O'Donnell Theater, what can you stop to eat nearby? If you're a vegetarian, especially, where are you going to go to get lunch? Can you bring lunch with you on a call? What are the parameters and things like that? And our teaching artists, our TWDP mentors and IATSE mentors are really great with advising them on how to do that once they're outside of the training year of the program.
0: And I'll add that that mentorship that is happening with alumni to fellows IATSE members to fellows and our staff to the fellows isn't just about technical theater. It's about all those life skills, essential skills, and it's conversations with, I talked about the numbers earlier, those young adults who realize, actually, this isn't for me. That's not a bad thing to understand that at this point in your career in life so that we can help you transition our relationship with the DOOR, a social service agency, has other workforce programs that we can point young people to. Similarly, hopefully we've given you a lot of skills where you know how to get jobs now. And to have some of our alumni who have said, you know what, for my situation right now, I need a full-time salaried gig with benefits rather than the freelance world. So I'm going to transition to education or healthcare or another not-for-profit that's doing good work because I liked what Roundabout was trying to do. So I'm going to try to do that in this industry. Those have been really meaningful relationships. And those, those people aren't gone. They've just found another pathway.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Not to keep going back to COVID, but the amount of folks who left the industry at that time, it was a watershed moment of like, do I really want to be doing this? Where can I go? We had a house manager who, when we got back to the theater, I was calling folks to staff up the first show and I called him. I was like, hey, do you want to come in? And he goes, "Uh, actually, I'm a longshoreman now. He went so far out of the industry. He's like, the next time you see me in a theater, I will be an audience member. I was like, "Okay." we need you, too. We need you, too. Very much you mention that you have a lot of partners within the industry and that's what makes it work but thinking in terms of folks who are doing this kind of work with people who are going to come up in the labor force why do you think there aren't more programs like
0: this the quick answer would be time and money of course <laughs> the hope i think you know in every educational endeavor Every mentorship endeavor you have long term plans and you want to expose a young person to something, and then they decide yep that's what I'm going to do, and you provide them with the next opportunity and and that young person like yourself, Sarah, sent out emails to say, <laughs> "Can I observe you? can I shadow you right and I think the theater industry in this city is massive, right There are so many theater companies Art New York knows this. thank you for representing us and still, like many jobs it's about trust and knowing people and so it's really about developing relationships so that a young person who's done this can do that the college and university system trains technicians really well but we've already mentioned the financial barriers and the time barriers and things like that so this program is at the intersection of a big not-for-profit a relationship with the union partnerships across the city and found a braided funding structure that allowed it to take place in Roundabout's education department. And the fact that we have dozens of teaching artists who are technicians and scenic, audio, electrics, carpentry, wardrobe professionals meant we were able to instill a curriculum and find a way that matched a, not a classroom training, but a hands-on training. We have a theatrical teaching framework that we employ. And then the partnerships across the city really make it possible. So like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want every theater in New York to create a program like this. I'd I'd rather partner with them. Let's not reinvent the wheel. And then when we have conversations with theater companies and cities across the country to see if this is right, time and money and space and people and are all the conversations that said, we did host opening stage doors and national workforce theater workforce convening with the NEA a few years back, and that conversation did expose and highlight a number of apprentice and fellowship programs that exist across the regional theater world. Some theaters have different relationships with the union, which makes technical apprenticeships or fellowships easier in those locations. New York City is this fantastic web of, we have a lot of partners in non-union spaces so that our fellows can learn the craft and then we have partnerships in union spaces so that our fellows can watch the craft being done and hear from the wisdom of those that have been doing it for decades
3: yeah i agree (laughs) it's really just down to money and even when i was researching the program in grad school there were a lot of programs that started from the theater Sedition council that just due to the lack of funding couldn't continue and they were really great ones as well but it's a lot about money to circle
2: back to before, you made a joke about keeping in touch with the graduates, but you mentioned bringing them back and to talk to the new members of the cohort, things like that. Are there any notable grads, people who stick out in your mind? Like, I'd love to hear some success stories about folks that have gone through the program.
3: Yeah. So Jonathan Emmerich is a wardrobe technician right now who's Started on Book of Mormon, I believe Jonathan's working on Book of Mormon through the pandemic. And then moved over to Anne Juliet recently and was featured on their Instagram for like a day in the life of a wardrobe (laughs) technician on their show.
2: I have so much respect for wardrobe folks and for dressers. And I mean, I couldn't do it.
3: And somehow Jonathan manages not only to work on wardrobe, I believe he also does day work at other theaters as well. (laughs) He's doing Anne Juliet and still assists us with information sessions, is on our fellow advisory council, which is made up of alumni of the program to hear their voice and have their input on the next cohorts of the program and stops by for lunches with the industry and talks to any wardrobe fellow that has questions or wants information about the program. And then there's also Isaac Gribbett, who's also at Anne Juliet, <laughs> doing day work. And Isaac was working on 1776 with us last year. And they help out a lot in mentorship and working on our Hidden Career Path days. And I believe they led a sewing uh, session during our last Hidden Career Path day where they helped sew buttons, which was amazing because I am terrible with buttons. <laughs> and They explained it in such a great way. And so they're doing really great as well. And we have a few alumni who are working off Broadway too. Vanessa Toro is currently at Atlantic Theater Company and a teaching artist who's working on TWDP. So now we're at the point where alumni of the program are able to teach the next cohorts at the program, which is really awesome. Yes. Yes. Now
2: that's wonderful. You mentioned a bunch of alumni who went on to Broadway. And do you find that some alumni choose specifically to stay off Broadway or go into indie theater because, I don't know, the chaos is more fun or something about it's more appealing? I'm genuinely curious because starting out, I feel like every person starting out in theater has like, and Broadway's the end goal. It doesn't need to be. There's so much more theater out there. We love Broadway theater. We love our friends on Broadway, but there's so much more.
0: What you're saying is absolutely true, which is to say like... Each fellow is on their journey, is meeting a community of technicians when they're doing these work calls, and some of them find their people in the off-off space or in the off-space and will say, sure, we love our Broadway, we love our union houses, but I've found a place that I want to be for the next however many years. And that's fantastic. That's a huge win. Others, I think, have found their niche in a certain borough. Like they've found a theater company or a theater community in a borough, and they're like, I'm good here.
3: And they all have their reasoning as to why they prefer not to do Broadway. Some of them, it's that they prefer doing music venues and things like that instead, or off-Broadway and having something that's a, a slower pace.
0: And they are freelance technicians, which is to say, we celebrate when they get a gig at a stadium. A stadium call, those are great. Go do a big old concert for Bad Bunny, do it. And at the same time, when you get that gig at an up-and-coming off-Broadway and Ars Nova or an MCC. That's fantastic. And we celebrate you. And it's been good. Um, And you asked, and I know the theater community in this city is big. And some people with huge budgets and some people with small budgets doing incredible work in both spaces. And finding the budget line to support your technicians is vital because safety matters, because we want our theater to work and we want it to work well that said we're ready to have a conversation with any of the theater companies who are listening to this podcast but here in new york city to say what does i've mentioned the word partnership a lot but what does that look like like reach out to us twdp at roundabouttheater.org and jerry and i are happy to have that conversation
2: yes we love an organic plug great so what are you looking forward to this fall or later this year
3: So this fall cohort six begins in two weeks. It's gonna be a group of 20 people. So we're really excited about that. We're going to have our first TWDP night. So it's gonna be a night at the theater for fellows and alumni to get to know each other and network and talk a bit more about the program. And it's not just going to be fellows and alumni who currently are working in theater, we're inviting all alumni. So any career path that you're in currently come through and tell us how you're doing and really excited for just to see all of our employment partners for the first time I've like a lot
0: everything jerry said (laughs) which is to say there's each year as we get another cohort and we really saw this over the last year the mentorship that happens by the technicians who have done this and been in this field for a while and whether they have joined the union or found their community in their technical space or become a teaching artist, they're able to reflect and say to someone who's just joining the program with way more gravitas than I can, (laughs) what this program means. And so if you'll have us back in a year or whatever, we'll bring an alumni with us and they'll tell you what's making them excited. And that makes me excited a good
2: idea for season two <laughs> <laughs> thank you both for taking the time i've really enjoyed learning so much more about the program getting to know you both a little bit more and just thank you for a wonderful conversation thank you hey
0: appreciate it this has been so great thanks so much for having us <laughs>
4: Hi, Sarah. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Ash. Thank you so much for this beautiful interview. I know we josh around and I say like, oh, Sarah is the professional of the podcast. But, you know, I really believe that. We mean it. Yeah. (laughs) Like after listening to you do this interview, I'm like, she is a professional podcaster. (gasps)
2: I'm going to put that in my bio now. Thank you. No, that's really sweet. And and I appreciate this. I really do. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to do something like this, specifically at my job. It's normally something I do for fun, just sitting around chatting about movies, chatting about theater. But like this was, oh, this was part of like other duties as assigned is to come in and be able to host the podcast. It was really oh tremendously rewarding conversation so i thank you both for
1: getting me involved that warms my heart yeah it was a delight to be able to be in the room and listen to it so Ugh, we love you oh my god <laughs> <laughs> is this it is this the post-show interview
4: yes we love you <laughs> like,
1: oh <laughs>
0: we
2: all really like each other okay well see you at the theater bye
4: <laughs> so my first question listening to the interview i really took on the sentence that they said was hands-on training yeah And for me personally, I always say when I'm starting a new job or starting a new part of my job, I always ask for hands on like I need to physically do it. So I'd love to hear your opinion of hearing that and hearing a little more about their program. What is this importance of hands on training?
2: Oh, my God. Well, all right. As somebody who is not a hands-on person, I like reading directions, right? I like being able to look at a list or read the directions or watch the loom or da-da-da. And then I'm very much, and now I'll do it myself. But when it comes to theatrical training and specifically theatrical production training, the hands-on part of it is invaluable because you sort of have to learn by doing. In the Roundabout program, It's very much an educational program. People who are coming in cold have never done theater before or swung a wrench before or done a lighting call before or done a crew call before, never been a carp, never done X, Y, Z. You need to be able to have that hands-on experience. Otherwise, without it, you will fail. Mm -hmm. You will fail. You can learn on the job the amount of people that I know personally who have just sort of fallen into something like this. I like to say I was tricked into becoming a stage manager. Like you f- fall and you figure it out on the way down. You build the airplane as you're trying to land it. And there's a beauty to that, but that's not always how it has to work. And that's the biggest thing that I get caught on. Like just because we can do something in a really shoestring, fly by the seat of our pants, skin of our teeth, da, 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 all of the metaphors, just because you can do it that way doesn't mean you should do it that way. It doesn't mean you have to do it that way. Mitch was talking about reinventing the wheel. We don't have to do that. We can just refine the wheel we have. Let's refine the wheel we have. Let's make sure that the people who are coming in, it makes the entire industry better to be able to have that kind of attention to Learning attention to folks who are in different learning levels, attention to folks who just came out of high school or folks who are 24 and realize that they're f- gonna make the leap and they're gonna start to do theater, they're gonna start to do live events. You need to be able to have that little bit of this is how you do it. Don't throw people into the deep end anymore, mm-hmm.
4: put their hands on it.
2: Put their,
1: put their hands, hands on, on it. it. <laughs> I love that title got, of the and, and I say that
2: as somebody who's not a technician. I know a lot of technicians. I work with a lot of technicians. But I'm not a technician. I hit the button. Mm. You tell me when to hit the button, I'll make your show go. But I cannot do anything that leads up to the hitting of the button. Mm-hmm. That's not true. I have been... I now have just enough knowledge to make me dangerous, but like you you don't want me on a ladder. I want the people who are on the ladders to have the hands-on mm-hmm. experience because it makes my tech run smoother, makes my director's show run smoother. It makes the shows that are going up at Art New York Theaters at 502 West 53rd Street. It makes those shows go up better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Being able to have that hands-on training. I'm very passionate about that. So hearing our new friends at Roundabout be so passionate about providing this education Mm. was huge. And like I said, very rewarding conversation to hear somebody who's as dedicated to that work as I am to the idea of that work.
1: (laughs) I love that. I was obviously struck by the passion behind providing this training But the other thing that really struck me was the relationships with their alumni Mm. and how it's like this circular thing. It's a circle that it comes back around and the alumni continue to have relationships with Roundabout and they send the elevator back down and say, hey, there's this training program out there. We have people for this. What did you think about that, that their relationships continue? It's not just a situation where they're like, "Okay, you're done. (laughs) go forth and prosper. (laughs) Well, to
2: me, it's like a microcosm of the entire theatrical community. And Mm -hmm. I don't just mean in New York. I mean, just in general. We are a community, Mm -hmm. right? We call it the Art New York community. That's one. But there's the off-Broadway community. There's the off-off community and indie theater community. We're all trying to build our own hubs within this larger ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So to hear about... How they bring people back from the program to either be teaching artists or to talk to a new cohort and set realistic expectations. It's building that community of Roundabout Fellows, Mm. which can be part of other communities. I'm doing this like Venn diagram with my hands here. But like we all sort of overlap while being completely distinct. Mm. But. To bring it back to like the larger theatrical community, it is always that reaching back or sending the elevator back down, as you said, Ash. Because, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but almost every job I got after the first one was word of mouth. Yep. Yep. It was somebody saying, you need a person to do XYZ. I know Sarah, she'll do X, Y, Z. And then you build from there. And every person who works consistently has a network like that. Mm-hmm. So we're all individual cogs in this larger, whatever you want to call it, the art New York community, the indie theater community, the New York City theater community at large, which encompasses everything from Broadway to a basement in Bushwick. Like it's it's everything. And then we all go out into other communities. Mm-hmm. And that reaching back and forward... It only makes us stronger. So I love Roundabout's commitment to making sure that their alumni are heard.
4: Well, thank you so much. This has been nothing but a joy. I'm so happy you're here to be our guest interviewer.
2: I was so honored to be asked, frankly. So thank you all for having me. This was a joy. And thank you all for listening.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Visit art-newyork.org to learn more about our many programs and offerings, including our very own What's Off podcast. Until next time. At Art New York, we empower our community to define their own vision for success and always keep an eye out for what's next. Our responsive resources, just like this podcast, illuminate truly innovative solutions to the toughest challenges facing our field. You can support the next wave of theatrical innovation by visiting our website at art-newyork.org donate to make a donation today. Thank you. What's Off is a production of Art New
4: York. Executive producer, David E. Shane, associate producer, Erica Ray Barnes, Line producers Ashley J. Hicks and Nikki Maggio, with audio engineering by Dante32.